0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice
1: of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, We recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So, if you are interested in checking this out, head over to slash members and get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with the founder of Packpod, Steve Underwood. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. Definitely. Now, for the listener that may not be familiar with Packpod, how would you best describe Uh, Your business to uh, to someone who's never heard of you.
0: Uh, Well, PackPod kind of came out of a need I had um, filming underwater. I'm I'm a passionate free diver, and in the summers here in Maine, I was filming in rivers and lakes and other places, and uh, I was looking for a way to secure a GoPro or small cameras in uh, really challenging or unusual situations. So um, I came up with this PackPod after kind of looking around online and having tried a lot of different products. Uh, was something that was very versatile and waterproof and compact, and
1: um, it ended up being called PackPod. That's so interesting. And so you started, you came up with this idea in 2014, and then you ran a Kickstarter right. in 2015, raised over 120 thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the PackPod. Did you did you know that's sort of the way in which you wanted to start this business?
0: no it really was uh i'm i definitely like to design and build and 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 uh kind of work with my hands but i hadn't the, the kind of getting into the tripod thing as i said was really out of need because i'd had some joby gorilla pods which kind of have a, a range of uses which was kind of meeting my needs, but not quite. So it was kind of sketching and resketching, and finally got to a concept uh, that I liked. And here in Maine, there's a a company called ALO Design. Uh, Justin ALO is uh, in Kennebunk, Maine, and he's um, a prototyper. And uh, kind of long story short, it's over a year and a half, I went through five prototype iterations to end up with the final design. And kind of functionally, I was kind of pushing him to add features that, to me, I was realizing in the field I really wanted the versatility included. And he said, okay, I don't know why you'd want that. But after a while, he was, the light bulb was going on for him as he revised the prototypes. And um, what I came up with was um, something that uh, is um, made out of ABS and stainless steel. So it's um, it's very light, About just over 12 inches long in the compact form. And, uh, I started using it as I was filming and found that there were just a whole lot of ways to deploy the thing, especially if you kind of added a bungee cord into the mix, you could attach it to vehicles or kayaks or, <clears throat> uh, tree trunks, um, and take it in with the water with you and use it as like a handheld rig, uh, with a GoPro kind of, you'd swing with it and, uh, use it like, a you know, um, uh, a handheld rig and, um, that, uh, you know, getting through the prototype phase kickstarter just seemed like the logical place to go so um that became my aim and of course it all happened more slowly i wanted to launch in april of of uh 2015 and then the summer came and then you know i finally launched in uh in the fall of 2015 but um it made a uh you know it made a good splash so to speak
1: yeah things always take way longer than you think <laughs> Um so tell me a little bit about your background. Are you originally from Maine? Did you always no, have uh, this idea of starting your own business?
0: Well, no, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts but went to uh the University of Maine up near Bangor uh, at Orono and majored in engineering and then kind of looped off in a very different tangent of things that uh involved um piano technicians, uh piano sales, I'm also a musician. So I, and then got into theater. Um, so I really kind of uh, went to school for one thing, but kind of headed off in other directions after I graduated. Um, and uh, the um, the filming thing just kind of came out of my love for uh, freediving, which I found out at age 50 I could hold my breath for an insanely long time and got in the water with a lot of cameras and then was finding that I'd like I said, wanted uh, a way to you know, work with the cameras, with tripods, and, and I wasn't finding what was out there. So it really was a, a very late um, use of my engineering design mind. But uh, kind of once I got in there trying to crack the, the code of how to make this thing work and function the way I wanted, it became uh, really kind of a passion project. So uh, it eventually came to fruition.
1: Okay, so you come up with a, you go through the prototyping process, you really nail it down, you know, the product that you're exactly looking for, and then you decide, all right, let's do this on Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. What was your strategy then? Okay, you're like, okay, so we're going to launch this on Kickstarter. The goal is to, you know, sell a certain amount of product, but how, was there anything that you did that you feel was really the key to? Raising over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for for the project. well, I,
0: I think one
1: of the, the the couple of lucky things that happened. Well, one is that that you
0: know it wasn't like another. Uh, it, it didn't look the same as other tripods. There was something really different about it with the 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 stakes that flip out and pivot, and the the attachment points, and the fact that the legs swing one hundred and eighty degrees, and you can lock all three of them with a twist of a single knob. There was something pretty innovative about it. So I lucked out in talking to a guy in Portland who had done a Kickstarter that almost didn't fund, and in the eleventh hour, he got the name of a woman uh, named Ali Troxel Carr, who is uh, in outdoor gear PR, and she loved the idea, and she said this will be easy for me to get people to blog about because it doesn't just look like you know another utility knife or another uh, you know same old kind of tripod. And so she just really uh, put it out there, uh, and I got a lot of good press from, you know, Outside Magazine and Popular Science and uh, oh, a bunch of other, um, you know, media outlets. Uh, but part of the key to that was having seed product because I backed a lot of Kickstarter products. Some of them were in the prototype stage, and I found that more of the the people that were not in production or hadn't done tooling – had really hard stories after the fact they funded it's like oh no we can't find some more tooling or the circuit board is way more expensive than we thought it was going to be so i knew going then that i wanted to get tooling done for this and get like 500 of them made and i just ponied up a lot of my own money to do that you know hoping that that would come back in spades with the kickstarter so about 200 200 of these went out as seed product to um you know, all kinds of, uh, kind of tech outlets and we got a lot of good press. Um, so that helped a lot. And then I did a thunderclap, which some people know about some people like, "Eh, I never used that. And it's kind of like a Facebook campaign. Um, and that was huge when the thunderclap went out on a, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. And that day was just this huge day for, um, the Kickstarter campaign. Um, and then, um, there was another guy, uh, Oh God Jellup is the name of the business because Gill who um, uh, pushed the Kickstarter campaign, and that was huge as well, so those were the things that I felt lucky to have gotten the references for people saying you know i just she 's great at p r and indeed she was, and uh Jellup turned out to be a really good uh a good uh, company to go with to promote the campaign. And, um, you know, so it overfunded by almost 4X, which, you know, looking back, it was like, I'm glad that happened because the other side of going from a Kickstarter into the world of manufacturing and marketing and all that stuff, uh, it, you know, I guess there are some people that it's, uh, they sell like hotcakes, you don't have to do anything. But it was, um, you know, the the post-Kickstarter part was the harder part for me.
1: Now, Now, for the listener that may not be aware, what exactly is a thunderclap?
0: uh thunderclap is you you hit up your good friends and say uh you know on wednesday may uh tenth we're gonna we wanna send out a post uh to as many people as we can saying that this this campaign is starting. Will you allow that post to automatically populate into your your timeline or your feed or whatever it is and if they say yes um then on that day uh you know this post goes out to all all these people that you know in some way or another that's saying uh you know, PackPod's got my friend Steve's got a PackPod campaign and check it out here. Um so that ended up being a, a really powerful social media thing and um you know if you go to their site, I think for a X number of sign ups there's it's kind of a, a tiered thing, but it's it's not expensive. Um but you do kinda have to hit up on people just saying, Would you mind uh you know tooting the horn for this thing on that at the, on, on whatever you pick and, that's kind of how it works.
1: That's so interesting. Okay, so you ran the campaign, you were successfully funded, then then what happened? Mm-hmm. What was the next step?
0: Uh the next step was uh because I had about 250 uh pack pods uh that didn't go out for uh seed product, those went to backers who had um chosen the the um the reward level of early delivery. So basically right when the campaign closed, we sent out those products because we had them in hand and then there were i think another 1500 or something to uh have made um and these were sourced in china and that became the hard part um doing business halfway around the world with a you know product that has technical specs to it um is challenging and i had priced in in a number of a few different places in the u.s trying to figure out if it would be possible To tool and uh manufacturer here and it was it was just so expensive i couldn't uh it just the numbers didn't work so it was just some some painful uh quality control things that i had to fix on this end um from china you know kind of batch one was just perfect so i'm like great no no worries and then the next batch came through and there were some really serious problems all that cost time you know took time and money to fix uh on this end so um you know that's now like a year and a half or two ago. So it's, it's not painful to remember, but I will, uh, you know, keep that in mind that you've got to have some way to find out, you know, what, what is actually coming being put in boxes, you know, into the retail box in, in, uh, wherever they're being manufactured and then going directly to your shipper, you, you know, you just have to have, uh, quality control that is Really up to speed and up to snuff with what
1: you got to have, which is, you know, 100% quality. Did you have any mentors across this process from like when you started in early 2014 all the way um, <clears throat> to now, where you guys have run a successful camp, Kickstarter campaign and have been <clears throat> building a, a good business? I'd say, mentor wise, and I'd have to kind of open, I've
0: got a document somewhere with just a ton of names and notes, but I listened to Oh man, so many podcasts from, uh, people that, you know, had kick podcasts based, based basically on around Kickstarter campaigns and, um, and those kinds of, uh, those kinds of things. And, um, that was really helpful. That was where I heard of gel up. Um, and I reached out to, you know, people that had run campaigns that had been interviews on those, on those podcasts. And I just learned a, a ton of, um, of the real world kind of world things that, that people were dealing with, um, you know, before, during and after, um, campaign. So I don't think it was any one mentor, uh, but it was, you know, looking to people that had, had done very well and were willing to share their experience and, um, you know, really take listening very closely to what they did and then following through with leads to resources that they used or ways that they engaged people or, um, uh, You know, built their business.
1: Now, in in regards to manufacturing of the the pack pod, how, when you were sourcing your suppliers and and your manufacturer, how did you keep um, sustainability in mind so that you knew for each pack pod that was built, you were doing it in the most sustainable way possible?
0: I mean, that was it was more through the the sources I had here in Maine of people that had done business um, in China. So it was a little bit of a black box. I you know, I, I was looking at reports that looked at the the scorecard that um you know this company had. Um and I'd I'd have to say where that was a few years ago, I don't have any really clean you know, clear um, way to I you know, I I guess I did my best with that, but it was it was more using a company that uh someone that I respected had been doing business with for I think got ten or fifteen years um but looking at like anything that I would be doing in the future um I've been kind of learning more about kind of resources and channels to uh just be a lot more clear about how that happens but um it's uh it's like I said you know doing like doing doing things so far far from where where you are the source of uh you know where they're gonna end up um it's very challenging to kick to it kind of clear information
1: yeah manufacturing is a very challenging process because like you it's like you got to keep so many things in mind you got to keep the idea of like okay I want a quality product it has to be made correctly I got to worry about sustainability I got to make sure that the supply chain makes sense so that like everything shows up on time (laughs) you know like there's so many different levels to it that it Mm -hmm. it can be very daunting yeah for sure now I want to ask you uh, about sort of a daily, um, what what a daily routine is for you? Because I know you have a uh, theater that you also run in Portland on top of PackPod. So, like, what it, what does a normal day look like for you? It it depends on the time of year because one of the things that
0: uh, kind of allowed me to branch out into this other uh, film stuff was the theater runs pretty much during the school year, so mid September to may first I'm just full on focus on uh on the theater and you know where my shipping and you know the pack pod businesses um, it doesn't take a lot to tend to that's that's definitely not my my major focus during uh september to may and um so it, but you know in terms of during that time of year uh I run this the theater business with my partner and I'm basically kind of a prime mover and shaker in that uh in that business. Um the you know so there's a lot on my plate there. And then you know one of the key things is having uh a really good shipping company uh in New Hampshire. I use a company called Tradeport. And um they're just right on top of things. They're very reasonable and um I just have to kind of look at the things that I need to stay in touch with around inventory, around, um, you know, orders, questions, returns, and those things that just kind of fit them in as I can. Um, but there's no, you know, set kind of rhythm to each day. It's kind of like, well, what do I need to get done this week and in these areas? And then I just kind of carve out the time to do that. Um, and then in the summer I spend more time with, uh, kind of the, the the pack pod side of the business and and one of those things has been prototyping um another product in the line. One of uh the the pack pod is you know I think retail's for retailing for eighty nine dollars and it's made of ABS and stainless steel. Um and one of the pieces of feedback I got from like adventure climbers, some extreme expeditioners was this is a really cool piece of gear, but I'm not gonna trust my you know five thousand dollar camera with, uh, you know, a, a tripod that's essentially made of plastic and for the, the places that the pack pod works, you know, mounting it in really challenging situations with like mirrorless cameras or GoPros, uh, it really is, um, it does the job and, and, uh, I'm fine with that. But what, what I wanted to do is design an, an aluminum alloy, um, really stiff, uh, version of the pack pod that, the the kind of mechanics of it work a little bit differently but it would be something that you can mount on a vehicle or you can mount you know a heavy DSLR on on the side of a mountain with a carabiner to a rock and know that it's going to be solidly there so i um got a uh, a grant from uh, a main technology company that uh, MTI to prototype the packpod pro and that's been kind of uh, uh kind of last summer and through this year I've been going through the, the process of doing that and uh patenting the new product and um prototyping it so you know, it's been trying to move that the, the product line forward um the challenge being with this new product is tooling for this is a whole lot more expensive than the abs model it was so just in terms of dollar resources uh which are kind of scarce um I'm not quite sure when I can move forward with that product but um you know I've got some irons in the fire on that. Uh so um yeah and then kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier is the uh being connected with some organizations here in Maine that are eco-based uh around water bodies and lakes and ponds and rivers and streams. Um I've been doing a lot of filming over the last 7 years i filmed in over 100 lakes, ponds, rivers, and streams just in the the state of Maine and gotten a lot of amazing footage that really nobody had gathered because, you know, you think of Maine and lobsters and people would jump in the, you know, ocean with uh, the full wetsuit and and scuba tanks and, you know, film what's out there, but nobody was really uh, going into these rivers and, you know, filming salmon and trout and uh, all the fish that you find in ponds and lakes, uh, in among like lily pads and all these, these beautiful zones of, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun there. So I just started gathering this footage and then got hooked up with an organization and did some documentaries for them. Uh, and that I just try to keep in touch with it because, you know, being in the water is, is my prime number one passion and, uh, and doing it with breath hole diving, you just can get a lot closer to fish. You can, you know, you can take your kayak into remote places and just kind of jump over the side and uh, grab your camera. And, you know, I've gotten footage of loons and, you know, beavers and just all kinds of cool stuff uh, over the years. And uh, um, I was renovating a house last summer, so I wasn't in the water much. But this summer I'm already looking at, okay, where where haven't I been and uh, where might I to go to um, shoot some more Maine Beauty?
1: Definitely now, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about building PackPod? Um,
0: i 'd say the the because of my my design sense kind of the inventor designer side you know whenever I got to all right that works, could it work better or uh, the kind of tweaking and and taking one those thing a so step at a time, I have this tendency to make little sketches on post-it notes and then a lot of post-it notes end up on a page and and a concept comes to mind so the the evolution of inventing and realizing that it it uh it it, actually i've I've written a lot of stuff for theater and kind of like writing is rewriting you kind of get a basic idea and then you every time you come back you just refine and refine and refine and that was the same thing i found with you know working with tripod technologies that well that works but it's a little clunkier that works but it's a it's a little loose uh how do you keep solving those problems um that side of it feels pretty naturally natural to me I say the manufacturing part is is a challenge and then just being uh you know there's some people that are natural salesmen and I'm not really that guy so you know, there are some people that would look at a product and go, "Wow, I can sell anything." That would be a cool thing to sell. And there are other people that could make the product and go, "I know this thing is cool, but um, you know, I'm not setting the world on fire as a natural salesman." So I'd say the, the the sales side is for me the more challenging side.
1: So what have you done to really get the word out there, post the Kickstarter, and really build PackPod? <clears throat> Um, it's really
0: been uh organic and uh I'd say the one the thing that three years ago as Facebook ads and some of those things were just starting to get going, there was this kind of sense that, oh my God, we're just gonna do targeted Facebook ads and we're gonna sell a ton of these. And you spend the money and then you look at the cost of conversion uh, the, you know the ROI on uh, selling a unit, and it was like, wow, that turned out to be expensive. So it was a bit of a struggle trying to figure out how to you know get above the noise um and uh you know get people tuned into what your product is and how it would help them so in the kickstarter world it is pretty easy to um to you know get focused and and uh, be heard and i think after so that so there was the kind of facebook ads and instagram and that wasn't working very well and then it really came back to more organic uh, social media, and I'm working with um, a couple of influencers that folks that I really like that do just travel around the world a lot, um, and um, those are the things that seem to be, um, you know, helping. And then getting involved in like collectives and sites like uh, Ready Yeti. You know what you guys are doing is very cool, and it's a real curated and focused group of, you know, people with some similar interests and um those are the kinds of things that help i think help tune more accurately to who would be interested in what you're doing
1: definitely so are are most of your sales done um direct to consumer online or are you in some brick and mortar stores
0: no uh uh, a couple of brick and mortar uh bnh um but basically it's uh through different outlets uh you know, I mean, certainly Amazon and my e-store and then, uh, some Germany, you know, there's just a, a number of set uh, website kind of retail camera sales, um, around the world. But, um, yeah, brick and mortar for something like this is its own challenges because of, uh, you know, display and, um, that's just, that stuff gets very expensive to do and to, uh, and to manage. Um, so it's been really mostly focused on uh online sales
1: definitely now what would you say has been one of the one of the greatest fears in regards to paddock and h- how do you manage that um i don't know if i
0: have uh you know i mean it, it, it certainly as you look at sa- sales and and bills and time and you know a small business and when is it uh you know when are you in the black and when are you in the red I've kind of been looped up and and down through both of those a couple of times. And I think, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you can, if you just say, I just can't do this. You can, you know, people have pulled a plug on businesses or you can just reach a little deeper and, and, you know, look for people who, uh, can teach you something, uh, if you're willing to learn and then just kind of dig in and do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I certainly, I read a lot of uh, um, biographies and autobiographies, and there are people that take risks and do things that I think I can't even imagine laying down to sleep at night with all that weighing on you. So, um, you know, in in the relative scope of the kinds of the size of businesses that people take huge risks with, uh, this is a pretty small business. But um, still, it's something that when I invented it and, and, you know, held the final prototype because like the first prototype basically didn't work. It was, uh, it was very underwhelming, but bam, two, three, four, five, when I got to the fifth one, I was kind of blown away that this had started as, you know, some sketches on, on uh, post-it notes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't know how to wrap up that thought, but, uh, I guess I just, <laughs> deal with, I just deal with the fears as they come.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, what would you say have been uh, some of the biggest mistakes that you've made in regards to Padpog since you got started?
0: I'd say it was I spent a lot of time learning about Kickstarter and uh, funding a, a successful Kickstarter. But right, right after the Kickstarter ends, it's craziness because you just have all these backers kind of going, okay, when, when, when. And all of the detail stuff that can just drive you crazy with just people wanting to change addresses or change things and and the next part which is uh, getting lined up uh, in the distribution uh, channels that are going to be appropriate for your product I should have had that I should have been learning about that stuff before I launched the Kickstarter because I had no time while it was running and then you're you know talking to a uh, a huge company in Germany who's saying we love your product, we want your product, and there are just so many details to you know dealing with everything from SKUs to uh, to shipping and tariffs and uh, logistics, and that's just for one that that guy, and then this guy in the UK, and this guy in Australia, and that stuff eats up a lot of time. And there were just I, I just wished that I'd had someone on my team that had done this before and said, okay, I'm, I know about the ins and outs of distribution. So we're just going to rock this thing and do it quick. And instead it was a steep learning curve with, uh, you know, with lost time. And uh, when you have a a buzz going from something and then there's kind of like, where are you guys? And I need your product. And um, I'd run into those quality control issues that had to be fixed on this end that delayed things. So uh, what was making sure you're, your product is really ready to go when you you know take that springboard from Kickstarter. If that's the group you know the route you go, and then know knowing about distribution and and sales uh, post Kickstarter.
1: What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether whether it was in the outdoor space or really just a business in general? Um, <laughs> unless you have a lot of, I mean, if
0: if it if it's new to you just be ready to have to dig really deep at times to do things that you don't even know what they are yet. I'd say, cause you know, the, the, the sketch on a napkin of, you know, everyone and everyone patting your back, saying, you should launch that on Kickstarter. You know, that would go. And it's easy to be the armchair, uh, you know, observer just saying, yeah, you should do that. That's cool. I guess, I guess know that if, if you want to see it through, uh, through a launch and then actually get traction in a marketplace, um, uh, there's a whole lot of work that you can't really even conceive of and um, and things that you're, you're going to have to learn and figure out that can be super stressful uh, being in the middle of the learning curve. So I guess it's be very passionate about uh, what you want to launch uh, and what you want to do and be a little careful that like I launched a product that came from being in the water and filming in the water. And what happened was there were long stretches of time where I couldn't even get anywhere near near the water because I was like, you know, up to my eyeballs in uh, stuff that had to be done to try to get the business going or, you know, when it was flagging, get it, uh, you know, back in the black. So um, be careful about creating something based on what you're passionate about because you might not have time to do the thing you were passionate about. I can relate to that. (laughs) No, I mean, outdoor, like, you know, to go out. And, uh, adventure, you know, you could g- get off the grid and, you know, those things they take, uh, like that you need days to do those kinds of things and not just, uh, you know, fit in a two hour, you know, workout at the gym or something. It's, uh, you know, getting, getting out there to do the things that you love. They usually, it takes time to do that.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Where do you see PackPod, uh, in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? I'm not really sure. I guess uh, I'd like to see
0: the PackPod Pro uh, brought into the marketplace at some point. And I think you know, being having a niche that is the kind of pa- the kind of tripod that you can put in a day pack and have with you. There have been so many times I've been on adventures where you think, oh, I would just love to have my tripod to just get a really little rock solid you know some video of this and you don't have it so uh an, another product that i've prototyped is uh called a flip tip monopod but it, it basically you could with a PackPod pro and a monopod and a and a, a small camera like a, a mirrorless uh camera, camera or a, a gopro it would allow you to kind of place that camera under a waterfall or hanging off the you know the rail of a ferry boat or um it just uh it, it will allow you to put cameras in it allows you to put cameras in places for POVs that are very cool and unusual and uh, it just in trying to grow the company to the point where people that are passionate about you know reality television shows or adventure shows where they're trying to get those unique uh camera angles and and camera mounts the packpod really excels at that and it's but it's also trying to reach those people to grow the business enough with sales that you're like, Oh yeah, I thought of you and your product and I'm going to use your product. So, um, I would like, uh, people to, to see PackPod as something that solves, um, a lot of problems for mounting cameras in a way that's very compact and you can keep with you, uh, you know, keep on you with your, uh, when you're on an adventure and, uh, you know, have a few of those products the PackPod, the backpod pro the kind of the reach pole the monopod and um some of the hardware that connects that stuff um you know to, like suction cups and um and other kinds of mounts uh i guess it's to be a like the compact swiss army knife for um mounting cameras
1: <laughs> love it <laughs> um so what's the best part about running uh backpod
0: um well i'd say it's the best and the worst part is it uh It really comes down to, you know, what I'm the ultimate authority. I mean, like I'm not working for someone else, which is good sometimes and not good at all. You just oh, I wish I could pass the ball to someone else with more experience right now. Um, But I'd say it's, uh, you know, having never brought a product like this to to market um, and I get jaded sometimes. But to uh, see like a kid, just one of these one of these in a raffle that we did at the theater and his level of excitement was crazy, and I, and there are people that post things online of how they mounted their pack bod, and they, they, they're kind of like the MacGyver mindset, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I just attached this to, uh, you know, the side of, uh, of my jeep, or, um, I made, I, I took two of them and made a slider, uh, rig with, a with a crossbar, and they'll send in pictures of it, and, um, that's when it's kind of like it. it uh, it's, it's very cool to realize, wow, this this only exists because I kind of went through all the processes and the and the blood, sweat and tears to to bring it to market. So I think that's kind of the best part of it is looking at um, the stuff that people post online or or uh, check in with, you know, via email that are out, you know, using it and uh, being adventurous and creative uh, with something that um that I you know ultimately started as a, a little sketch
1: yeah, when people find value in the, in the product or business that you've built, it's such a nice feeling. <laughs> it sure is yeah, it's very reassuring. It makes all the moments of doubt and sadness <laughs> slash depression worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Steve, I, I really appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast and sharing your story. Um, now, if listeners want to keep tabs on everything that you have going forward with Packpod, Where, where's the best place for them to do that
0: uh i'd say probably uh, you, i mean certainly packpod.com is um the website which uh there's like a minute and a half movie that really in in visual a lot of quick visual clips would show you all of the things that packpod is good at doing uh and then facebook and instagram just you know at packpod um it's, it's an unusual product name so we don't really have trouble getting uh sorted out in terms of similar names uh but we have uh you know really some nice active channels going on with facebook and instagram and see what people are doing uh doing there
1: yeah we'll get that all linked up for the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out and it's it's p-a-k-p-o-d just so that's right anyone yep. that's listening wants to check it out and um with that we're also going to be giving away um some products from Packpot along with a ton of other brands startups in the outdoor space between uh, June 5th and July 3rd so you can head over to com for your yeah. chance to win and uh, with that Steve I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and really sh- sharing your story.
0: I appreciate uh, your time and this has been a lot of fun.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready A Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.